Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. What a joy it is to be here with you this morning, sharing in the Lord. We want to thank God for this opportunity. It's a blessing to stand before you guys. For those who may not know my name, my name is Tony Crockett. I'm just glad to be here to to deliver whatever God has for us this morning. So if you brought your Bibles, hopefully you brought them, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And as you guys turn there, let us pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your love. We thank you, Lord, for the tender hearts and the loving kindness of your people who love on us even when we go through difficulties. And we thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray, O God, that your name We get all the glory and all the praise. We pray, O God, that you will increase as I decrease. We pray, O God, that somebody be helped today on their journey. We pray, O God, that you will teach us your word. Give me the gift of teaching. Teach through me, Lord. Let your word filter through my life, through through my mouth, O God. Let it filter through my heart, Lord, that I may not be a hypocrite, Lord. I pray, O oh God, not only we be hearers of your word, but doers also. We thank you in the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And it reads, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough time. Enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love one for another, for love will cover a multitude of sins." Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, for each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as a good steward of manifold grace of God. 
If anyone speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today is one of my deepest gratitude to stand before you. I thank God for this opportunity. I would like to thank God for our senior pastor, Pastor Jim Remington, for his generosity to allow me this privilege to share my convictions about the risen Christ, Jesus our Lord. It is my hope and prayer that God would convict, convince, and convert any who are willing to come to Christ. It is also my hope and prayer that God will comfort his children from the word of God in times such as these in which we live. We are living in times of trials and tests that will challenge our Christian faith. We are living in days of difficulties, weeks of weeping, months of misery, and years of yelling. Some may want us to believe that God is not watching, nor does God hear our cry concerning what happens in this fallen world and even what happens to us. Please don't fall for the lie that God is dead, God is death, or if he can hear, God does not care. I stop by to testify that God is well aware and he's working out his plan in his way and in his time for his glory. The devil seeks to distract us, to divide us, in order to deceive us. Let me illustrate my point. Every time I get a chance to visit my father in L.A., we play for hours and even days uh, chess. We go to battle. We play chess every day, all day, trying to conquer and trying to beat one another. Well, when we play, I have more, uh, surprisingly, I have more losses than wins with my father at chess. I always say the reason why is because I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But there's one saying that my dad always says before he beats me. It's one line. It's one sentence he always says before he beats me. Do you know what it is? I'm glad you asked. My dad says, don't fall for the okie doke. I mean, he drives this point home in my brain every time he's about to whoop my behind. He says, don't fall for the okie doke. And as you already know, I do fall for the okie doke many times. When we see a country and a world divided over race, don't fall for the okie doke. 
When we see riots and lawlessness in the name of Black Lives Matter, don't fall for the okie doke. When we see murder and brutality take place caused by those who should protect and serve, don't fall for the okie doke. When we see a moment that challenges government, a movement that challenges government authority instead of peaceful, prayerful solutions, don't fall for the okie doke. When we get caught up in spreading gossip instead of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, you guessed it, don't fall for the okie doke. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible is very clear who our enemy is. He is none other than the devil himself. We Christians are fighting against an enemy we can't see, against demonic spirits, against fallen angels who seek to divide us and deceive us. If we are going to have victory in our lives, in our land, and in this world, we are going to have to war and engage in spiritual warfare with the strategy of the Bible. We need to return back to the basics. We need to return back to the word of God in order to make an impact that will have a lasting impression. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is the time that the real church and not the slim shady needs to stand up. The church of Jesus Christ need to take a stand on the word of God without compromise whatsoever. The apostle Peter is in his general letter to the writers who will receive this letter, he writes in chapter 1 of the book, in verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims, or your version might say, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatias, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That region, which is modern-day Turkey, these saints are scattered like, like, like pepper, as you would put on a hamburger. They are in hiding. They are fleeing for their lives. So Peter writes a letter to encourage the saints who are in, who are, who are on the run. It is at this time of this letter that 
Peter is writing to the church who is under heavy persecution, experiencing problems and having to go through enormous pain from that wicked potentate Caesar Nero. The church was under so much stress and suffering because the ruler Nero had falsely accused the Christians for being responsible for burning down three quarters of a city. History tells us that the fire lasted six days and seven nights. Christians suffered horrifying deaths. It is said that Nero would mount Christians on crosses and burn them in his garden in order to use them as candlelight in the night. I tell you that Christians were receiving so much persecution, you would have thought that the end was near. They were losing hope. They were losing, they were losing their faith. Some of them was faltering in their faith. So God used Peter to write a letter to encourage brothers and sisters in the Lord. So this is the backdrop behind this letter. Peter is writing to encourage his fellow brothers and sisters. If I may, I would like to entitle this message, Gaining Strength Through Suffering. Gaining Strength Through Suffering. Notice that I said through suffering. Suffering. The reason why I entitled it gaining strength through suffering is because we as believers will never remain in suffering. Amen. There are at least three things we as Christians can take away in order that we may gain strength through our suffering. Number one, we must be willing to suffer. Number one, we must be willing to suffer. Number two, we must be willing to surrender. We must be willing to surrender. And number three, we must be willing to serve. We must be willing to serve. Let's look at point number one. We must be willing to suffer. You still have your Bibles open, don't you? It says, therefore, since Christ suffered for for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Let's stop right there. Point number one. Peter says to these strangers who are scattered abroad that they must be willing to suffer. They got to volunteer for suffering. They must be willing to suffer just as Jesus suffered. You guys catch that? And he says to arm themselves because you have a right to bear arms. Do do your Bible say that? (laughs) No. Peter tells them to arm yourselves with the what? Let's look in the word. With the same mind. With the same mind. What is that a picture of? With the same belief and with the same behavior. 
with the same thinking and with the same doing. Peter tells them to arm their mind, to get ready to engage in spiritual warfare where it starts here in the mind. When we read verse 1, it says, therefore. Well, what is the word therefore, therefore? Right? We're going to keep it simple. The word therefore is there for us to reference something that was said previously. We're going to just keep it simple. Well, Peter mentions the mind or attitude of Christ starting at 1 Peter chapter 3. It really starts at verse 18, but let's read 1 Peter and let's start, pick up this thought of suffering from verse 13. It says, and who is he who has uh, harmed you if he become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Here we go. Here's the point. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, bringing put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. By, made, by being made alive by the Spirit. Hmm. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put in death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That speaks of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That speaks of Christ's purpose for going to the cross. What is the reason that Christ suffered once for sins? In junior high, we always, always state this. It's an open book test, right? Let's just read the Bible. What does the Bible say? It's right there in front of us, right? Open book quiz. You still have your Bibles open, right? Christ suffered for sins in order to bring us to God. Hmm. He suffered for sins in order to bring us to God. In order to bring those who would repent of sins, 
receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. For in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that, whoso, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we are to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we should really look at his life and learn from him. Christ suffered in order that he may gain some fruit. In order that he may win some. In order that he may snatch from the enemy those who are going to hell to come to God. He suffered that he may redeem humanity from sin. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ's joy was not in suffering on the cross alone, but Christ's joy was beyond the cross. His joy was beyond the cross. What did he see beyond the cross? He saw that his father's uh, anger would be satisfied. Thus affording him the opportunity to be able to offer salvation for everyone who has sinned. What did Christ's suffering accomplish? He accomplished more for humanity than any man on this earth would ever accomplish. His death, his burial, his resurrection satisfied God's wrath. In order that sinners come to his father. That's why it's a shame if you are listening, listening this morning to this message today. What a tragedy it would be to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God sent his son to die for you. Suffer in your place. And you still don't want to repent or turn away from your sin. You still don't want to receive the forgiveness of sins. You still don't want to receive God's free gift of salvation. What a shame that would be to spend eternity separated from God the Father in hell suffering. I make this joke with my family all the time. I don't know why anyone who lives in Arizona would ever go to hell. It's so hot in Arizona, you would think they got enough heat. So we who are in Arizona at least 
us in Arizona, you should receive the gift, of, the free gift of salvation. Why would you want to go from heat to mohi? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Just thought I'd put that in there parenthetically. Let's move along to my second point. We must be willing to surrender. We must be willing to surrender. Let's pick, this picks up from the B part of, of verse 1. Let's read verses 1 through 6. 1 through 6, the B part. It says, For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, for, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They have, give, they have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirits. We must not only be willing to suffer, we must also be willing to surrender. Surrender. We must be willing to surrender. If we are to gain strength through suffering, we must surrender to the will of God. Let me say that one more time. If we are to gain strength through suffering, we must surrender to the will of God. It's interesting how you, God uses in life, in the life of a believer, in order to loosen the snare of sin. God uses suffering in order to shake us up, to loosen sin's grips on us. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, but before verse 2, it says, we have, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Sin has slowed down. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the desires of men or lusts of men in a bad way, but for the will of God. Everybody say, we ain't got no time to be wasting. Christians don't have no time to be wasting playing church or, or not applying God's word to our lives. What God does is he has sent some suffering our way in order to get us right back in line with his will. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 2, it says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men. 
And then it lists a number of things that, that he might have been engaged in prior to suffering or prior to Christ. When we suffer for Christ, we don't have any time to be messing around. These Christians who were once in their B.C. days, you know what B.C. mean, right? Before Christ days. Let's look at the list from verse 3 through 6. It says, look, look what it says. They received, they were sexually offensive in public. That's lewdness, right? They were seduced. That's lust. Okay. They were sorry drunkards, you know. Revelries, that's, you know, they, they engaged in orgies which were unrestrained sexual activities. It's right there in the Bible. And then it says abominable idolatries. What does that point to? They were involved or engaged in satanic idol worship. They would have these temple prostitutes, you know, and they would engage in sex in order to pray homage or worship the idol God right in public in front of everybody. This was their past lifestyle. We talking about saints. We talking about the church. You know, every blood-bought believer should have a BC day. Amen? If you don't have a BC day, you ain't redeemed. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's a shame. That's, that's why young people, you know, they, 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 they might look at some of us older saints, you know, when we don't want to share what, we used to, what the Lord delivered us from. You know, they look at us like hypocrites. We should be willing to share where God has brought us in order that they won't fall in the, for the same what? Okie doke. Amen. God wants to use us all to make an impact in this world, but we need to be honest with ourselves and with the Bible. When we read the Bible, we should not be like that man who beholds his his face in a mirror and forgets what he sees. Don't forget where God brought you from. That's going to help strengthen some younger saint. Don't forget when you, how you struggled with sin, but God delivered you out of that sin. Don't gloat about it. Don't be prideful about it, but give the glory to God. Amen? We don't have no time to be messing around, to be playing church. Have you ever wondered what happens when you lift weights? I know we see the results of lifting, you know. We see bigger muscles and a nice physique. You know, we see that, right, right, right. Have you ever wondered what was the, uh, the process or what is the process that takes place when a person lifts weights? I'm not going to go all deep. We're going to keep it simple so we can keep moving. A key component in in weightlifting or muscle development is, is this. Simple. It's muscle damage. 
<laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. You simply have to see when you lift weights, what happens is you got to tear down your muscles in order to what? Build your muscles. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. Amen. You have to stretch the muscle in order to build the muscle to sustain heavier future weight. Everybody say amen. In a similar way, God uses suffering as a weight in order to tear us down in order to build us up. Amen. Amen. God uses pain to tear down pride. God uses a painful situation in order to strip us of pride. God will use a loss of a job or a loss of a child. God would use diabetes. He'll use a disaster. He'll use disease in order to what? Build us up. God will use pain or persecution. God would use tragedy or trials. God would even use a crazy unbelieving spouse or sickness in order to build our spiritual muscles. Why does he do it? Why does he do it? He does it for one reason. Two reasons. He does it for our good, but for his glory. Don't run away from suffering. Surrender to it. Surrender to God's will for your life. Amen. Some of you might be thinking, why would God do so, do such things, you know, allow things to happen to us, suffer and go through it. God wants us to be what? Willing to surrender. That's what's wrong with the world today. It's what my wife calls no Jesus factor. All this stuff going on on TV and in the world is no Jesus factor. This world, all they need is Jesus. Jesus can make the difference. He can change the heart. He'll make corrupt cops honest cops. He'll make rioters into what? People who, who embrace, who love, who not hate. Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference so much that his death on the cross accomplished, his suffering on the cross accomplished more than his than he could ever accomplish in his lifetime on earth. Jesus shared what? Food. He shared loaves of bread, fish. He shared God's moving to heal people. But what, what, what did his suffering accomplish? It was a seed that was planted that brought about a change. His suffering accomplished more he accomplished more on the cross than he could through what? Social benevolence. It's nothing wrong with giving food to the poor and, and 
feeding the sick, feeding, you know, giving clothing to those who are naked. Nothing wrong with that. Visiting those in prison. But you know, the, the best gift that we can give somebody, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would rather somebody be hungry going to heaven than starving going to hell. Than fed going to hell. I would rather somebody be naked going to heaven than to give clothes to someone who's going to hell. You got to give them Jesus. That's what's wrong with this world. We as the church need to give people Jesus. What does Jesus? Jesus makes the difference. He brings them hope in a hopeless situation. I'm telling you, in the midnight hour, all you need is Jesus. You stressing and, you know, your wife may be sick. You might have lost a job or, or whatever's going on. Just give it over to Jesus. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? For he cares for you. No need in worrying that you're going to die by staying up all night. Give it to the Lord. Amen. We must be willing to surrender to the Lord. Some of us forgot that we have been bought with a price by the precious blood of Jesus. You and I cannot live how we want to live. God has too much invested in us. He wants his rate of return. You heard what I said? He wants his rate of return. He's invested too much in us. The world is dying. No hope. And we sitting back, scared to give the gospel out. Mm-mm. God didn't just save us so we can be saved. He saved us that we can participate in the gracious privilege in sharing Jesus. We can't save nobody, right? But we can share Jesus. The Bible says, the soul that wins, the man that wins souls must be what? Wise. If we're sharing Jesus and you got all kind of hate coming out your mouth, ain't nobody going to come to Christ. Love makes the difference. Tell them, I used to be a drunkard. I used to steal cars. Whatever God delivered you from, tell them, but the Lord forgave me for all my sins. We got family members on their way to hell. Why? Because we are too afraid to give them Jesus. Just give them Jesus. Surrender to God's will for your life. Amen. So God, he'll use suffering in order to what? To prompt us, to, to prod us, to move us, to be a witness. I tell you, if you go through anything horrific, uh, let's say like cancer, I guarantee you'll be sharing Jesus. We don't have to wait until we go through something to share Jesus. Just share Jesus everywhere you go. Amen. Let's move along. Let's move along. It leads us to our third and final point. If we are going to gain strength through suffering, we must be willing to serve others. Let's read verses 7 through 11. I'm in the Bible. In the Bible. But the end of the 
of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love one for another. For the love, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it as the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. need to say this just for the record. I don't need no pat on the back. You don't need no pat on the back. Whether speaking or serving in the name of the Lord, we just want God to be pleased. We just want God to receive the full glory, the credit for working through us and in us. Amen. It says that the end of all things is at hand. Peter says when we are willing to suffer for Christ, willing to surrender to Christ, we must not lose heart. We must not lose hope because all of this pain and persecution, even when we think we have been deserted, all this is coming to a head. It's coming to a head. We must be willing to serve for the cause of Christ. We must not stop loving one another, no matter the difficulties we face. Have you ever noticed when the world go through suffering, they mean-spirited, angry, jealous, bitter, depressed? We as saints, when we go through suffering, people should see love, forgiveness. We shouldn't be grumbling. We shouldn't be complaining. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know, we know that all things work together for our good. To those who love God and to them who are called according to the purpose. God has a purpose for us going through suffering. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job says, for he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God know the path. God has a plan and God got a promise. When we go through whatever we go through that God allows in our life, it is for the purpose to come forth as gold. Oh, man, that's shouting right there. Let me tell you what let me tell you what that means. What happens with gold is God, he, he the, like the jeweler, he had throw the gold in the fire, you know. He throws it in the fire and he pulls it out and he looks at it. Well, you know what he's looking for? He's, he put it back in there. He's looking to burn off the dross. Amen. Thank you. He's looking to burn off the impurities. Same way, God, he chooses the saints. He throws us in a fiery furnace. He throws us in a fiery storm, a fiery suffering. He throws us in the fire in order to burn off the dross. 
The Bible says, lay aside every sin and wait. What? That easily besets us. Why does Jesus throw us in the fire? Why did God throw Job in the fire? For one reason. <laughs> one reason. What God is looking for is when he pulls us out the fire, he said, no, he ain't ready. She ain't ready. Put it back in. And then when he, he pulls them out again, he said, oh, they're almost ready. Uh-huh. Almost ready. Put us back in. Well, when he pulls us out, he's looking for one thing only. He's looking to see a mirror, a reflection that is so beautiful that you will have to bow. When gold in its purest form is put in the fire and all the dross burns off, guess what? You can see a mirror. What does that mean? Christ want to see less of us and more of him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Praise the Lord. So we encouraged. We are to encourage one another. We must not forget whether we speak as God's mouthpiece or serve as God's hands and feet. Don't seek praise of men, but the glory of God. Seek the glory of, from the Prince of Peace. Peter encouraged the believers not to complain, not to throw in the towel, but to serve God through the power of God. Live in light, or even if we suffer for Christ, we will reign with him. Peter was encouraging the saints to not lose hope from trials to triumph. From gloom to glory. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to wrap it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. And I'm out. This is it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. It says. Just want to encourage y'all who going through. It says therefore we do not lose heart. Even though we. Our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for, for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, this is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is in heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we should not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So when we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are present, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Here we go, verse 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for suffering and for surrendering and for serving. We know, God, that you have a purpose, a plan in mind when we go through suffering. We pray, oh God, that if somebody do not know you in the pardon of their sins, that you would save them by the word of God, that they repent of their sin, receive the free gift of salvation, receive the forgiveness of sin. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And for his name's sake, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.